Thank you for joining us for this episode of Journey Now, produced by Journey Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. For more information on Journey Church and our gatherings, visit journeytn.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a full house today on the Journey Now podcast. We are five of us back from a summer of craziness. And uh, I am joined, I'm, my name is Mike, by the way, and I'm glad that you're with us today. We are joined by Kevin Dixon and his dog, Lacey. Uh, who knows if Lacey will make an appearance today vocally. Um, and then Alyssa McNally is here representing. Um, we're not sure what she's what representing, I, but representing I know, I'm something. Like, what is she representing? The millennial um, crowd. Yes. Thank you. Yep. Susie uh, Lind is here representing the, the millennial boomers. crowd. What? Um, no, and, I am not. Um, I'm offended. And then uh, I'm the only I have I have Tim Timmons here to my right, uh, representing the good-looking ball guys. Yes, and then I well. am here representing the <laughs> no. non-good-looking ball guys. Stop it, Mike. Um. Anyway, the point of this podcast, as you know, we have two segments. One segment. Um, where Susie interviews somebody and and does a great job with that. And then this segment where we sort of just discuss different theological or cultural topics. Um, These do not represent official statements of Journey Church. Um, We don't uh, do a lot of um, prep for these. We want them to be conversational. And the goal is to stimulate curiosity and to practice hospitality with each other. So we had a conversation yesterday in a meeting where Tim was bringing up a whole bunch of thoughts about prayer. And it's one of those things that, you know, I, I think if you've been a, um, a church person for a while or a Jesus follower, you, you kind of, the basics of prayer, you know it's important. But um, when you really start digging in uh, to some of the texts uh, in the scripture about it, or you start thinking a bit more profoundly about it, it raises all sorts of questions um, about wh- what's it for and how does it work and why does it seem to, why don't the promises in the Bible seem to match up to our experience of what this right. thing should be? So Tim, do you want to frame out any other context for that? I think you just nailed it. All right, well then let's <laughs> let's dive in. So, so first, let's just ask the question, what is it? Uh, at its most fundamental, what is prayer? Once again, that was my question yesterday, so I think we're doing great. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I think it's a that's a great. I have a lot of definitions, okay. but I don't I don't exactly know what to do with it. So I was talking about yesterday how there are many different uh, ideas on prayer. I've gone through many different iterations and understandings of prayer right. on my role, God's role, yeah, in it, who's doing what, um, all that stuff, and I think I just I'm just continually confused yeah on it yeah so i that's just why i brought it up i thought i thought it was great i i I want you know you talked about being the axe church being an unstoppable force Mm -hmm. and when you said that before i thought gosh we are unstoppable we are stoppable right and i tim am stoppable in a lot of ways because i think i live pretty powerless in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. what were the three areas you you named yeah so i i I, formation for for a job i get to travel the country and so Mm -hmm. for five years straight i just traveled and was at every state in our country and almost every town just churches everywhere yeah and you just saw certain things that the church uh, certain holes you Mm -hmm. know one was joyless Mm -hmm. um you know, stuff happens in life and just joy just is circumstantial. Yeah. And yet yeah. Jesus has other words for that. The other was um, uh, addicted to worry. 
the church is just addicted to worry, and yeah. Jesus has other invitations for that. And the yeah. other one was the church just walks pretty powerless. Right. And I think that's the one that I'm struggling with the most, is yeah. going, what, what is the power? So if I'm an actual representative, you know, the Adam was the representer of God on earth, naming things, doing all these things. You know, I've read so much on intercession and what our role is and what we get to do. And I think I sometimes throw the baby out with a bath and just go, well, I'm just going to let God do what he's going to do and I'll just yeah. I'll be happy in the middle of it. Yeah. And so I've gone back and forth on praying deep for things and then also going, well, okay, God, you're going to do what you're going to do. So I just, I get a little confused sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, well, absolutely. I think a lot of people have those big questions. Um, so where would we start? Where would you like to start? What is prayer? Susie Lynn, formation pastor. <laughs> well, I just, I mean, first of all, I really, when you said that yesterday, it really deeply resonated with me with those three things that, that it seems that what's become of us is we've become marked by our joylessness. We've confused joy with happiness mm -hmm. and we've become addicted to worry. I mean, I have thousands of books, it feels like, on how to handle worry and anxiety and busyness and yeah. all that stuff, right? I'm reading another one right now. That's really great. Um, and then that that we're, we, we know about the power that we have because of Christ, and we know about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, but we don't walk in it. And so what I hear you saying in this conversation is that prayer is an avenue to that, um, but we're trying to figure out what that looks like. So I think it's interesting when I look at my own experience with prayer, I've gone through different seasons of the way I pray and how I pray. Yeah, and yeah. like you mentioned intercessory prayer and, and, um, there's, there's lots of different ways of praying. And I think we learn how to pray by hearing other people pray. Mm -hmm. Like if you, if you ever notice somebody that you've prayed with, good, get good and bad. Yeah, good and bad. Yeah. Like the words that they use, the whole "I just" and yeah. you know, you know, like all the words that we use are inflections. Um, when we pray, like all of those things, we those are all learned from somewhere, yeah. and and I I think it's important to learn different ways of praying, different um, media, like you know listening prayer, quiet prayer, contemplative prayer. I mean, you, we could name all the different ways. And and I don't I think we can tend to limit ourselves to just one way instead of instead of um, receiving the benefit of what we need at the time that God's given us. Um, That's a train, ladies and gentlemen. That is not Kevin's stomach growling. That is a train in the background. But I do agree with you that we <laughs> lack <laughs> power. I mean, and some of it comes some. down to what Kevin's always saying. Yeah. You're doing great, what Kevin. What do I always yeah. say? Yeah. Yeah. Breakfast you. is the best uh, meal of the day. You yeah. always say that. Yeah. No, well, I, I eat eggs I with forks, not spoons. <laughs> yeah, it's forks, of course. No, you're, you're always saying... This kind of comes down to what do we truly believe to be mm -hmm. true about God? That's like, right. oh, mm -hmm. like at the bottom of it, because yes. I can have, I've got so many scriptures on all these things, and yep. the, my theology has changed so many times. Yep. But at the bottom of it, what do I truly believe to be true? What does my life show that I believe to be true about God? There's the great, I think, dilemma for every human 
is we we act and we behave according to mm-hmm. what we believe to be true about God and about other people, and and it's 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 at the bottom of do I trust Him? Do I do I really think that there's any power in this? Yeah. Do I really think He hears me? Do I really think um, a lot of things? And 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 sometimes we we go through seasons where we anecdotally say, oh. I feel real connected to God, and it's an emotional thing, or it's a, and we pray more, and then, and then something doesn't go right, or something, or we drift yeah. off of that. It's like a, it's like any relationship that you find yourself in, that there's it ebbs, it flows, and it's, um, and I, I think we see that throughout the Old Testament. I actually think we see it throughout the New Testament. Mm-hmm. There's this, this ebb of flow in relationship with God, and oftentimes it's how much we're engaged and and how distracted we are down to whether or not we think it matters. So I think there's a lot in that to unpack. Well, I think a lot of it is that we look uh, uh, we look at prayer as something that we do to get something as opposed to prayer is what really aligns us with the heart of God. It it's what it's what draws us into relationship with God. So when I'm praying for healing, I'm praying for my heart and my sense of being to be aligned with God's will for whatever healing needs to take place or that I desire to take place. And it's entrusting that to him at the same time. It's it's all about building into relationship, not um, I don't pray like by putting money in a vending machine and getting what I want. And I think for many of us, somehow we've been trained to believe that that's what prayer is. But if we look at it as a way to align ourselves with him, then it can. That's when it can be transformative to who we are and how we um, walk about in this in this world. Lisa, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts. He's staring at me as I'm cringing. <laughs> I would just like to preface my statement by they all get to talk about these things during the week. I do not, and so this is all fresh off of my brain two seconds ago. Out of Kansas City. <laughs> Kansas City. I think my biggest issue with some of your points here heard them all before mm-hmm. raised by someone in the room but I think there's a <laughs> level of um connectedness with God that is not dependent upon my active participation in prayer or scripture reading so I think again I talk about this a lot there's like all these different sides so you can go to like one side or the other side and I'm not saying we should necessarily land in either camp but I grew up in a conservative community that was on the side of in order to have relationship with God in order for him to be your BFF or whatever they wanted to call it at the time so cringeworthy anyways you had to read your bible every day and you had to pray and it was like in order to have connectedness with God in order to have a relationship those were the things that were necessary. And I think that that isn't a fair representation of God. It it makes God small. It makes our what we believe about God in that is that he mm-hmm. is dependent upon us engaging with him, which I think is very funny because in reality we are always connected with God. Mm-hmm. It's just whether or not we are choosing to be aware of it. And yeah, and I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with you at all. I'm saying what I was saying is is um you know taking what's available to us. Sure. But I think that 
there's there's some different ways to think that through, mm-hmm. right? There's some practical things like what you're saying is like, does that mean we sit in silence and are like, yeah. there's a lot of different ways to practice prayer, right? That's kind of what we're talking through, mm-hmm. obviously. But I think it becomes dangerous to say that we get to enter into connection with God or enter into relationship with God through prayer because what we're what that automatically assumes is that without prayer that we aren't connected. Mm. And I think that it's an important clarification that like no, it our connection to God isn't dependent upon our our rhythms or our um, practices. It's actually dependent upon nothing. What's like what's connection we, mean to you? Like, like he the word connection. Yeah, that, that's a good question. I think um, connection is his presence. Mm-hmm. His um, yeah, his presence. I think would be what I'm referring to. Connected to his presence, like what? Like, like he's here. He's in yes, me. He right. is in you. Uh, yeah, and. And whether or not you're aware of that right now or I'm aware of that right now, I think So would you almost irrelevant. call it more of an awareness? I mean, that would probably be my main definition of prayer is like yeah, it's, I think... it's attention. It's an awareness of what already is. It's mm-hmm. like blessing. It's like mm-hmm. calling out what already exists. Mm-hmm. Is it just prayer seems to be this awareness of what's already happening right now and it yeah, so what would you say to that? Yes, I, again, like it, it goes back to what you believe about God. So like I don't really think that me talking to God um, is going to change him. I don't think that I have this um, relationship with him that is um, like, oh, like if I do this or if I say this, it's going to alter my reality or it's going to alter the reality of the world um, because I don't believe that that's how God works. So, um, therefore, having a kind of relationship of prayer of, like, this is what I want, maybe that's okay to say out loud. Like, we say things about our life all the time. Like, this is what I want. These are things that I'm thinking about. That's different than asking God to make something happen for you, mm-hmm. um, which you've all touched on. But I just think that there's a – I don't remember where I was going with that. Well, that would be a God view. I mean, that, that is your ultimate view yeah. of who God is. Right. And out of that comes you going, I, if I say something, it's not going to change anything. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think th- there's also one other point, and then I'll, Go. I'll allow oh, ever. I The more I learn about the way the brain works and how um, meditation and even just like pausing and like having that internal dialogue, which is what I think like I kind of grew up having prayer be and serve a purpose for is like actually like what's going on in your brain it's very similar to meditation it does help with anxiety it does help with like the things that we often pray for Mm -hmm. um and so I think that there are some things that are just like yeah that's actually just how our brain works um there are things that are like part of being a healthy person from a mental health perspective prayer can serve a lot for meditation as well I'd love to give a slightly different perspective than Alyssa's. Um, Let's get it, Mike. Well, just because <laughs> because you, what you're saying, th- the first point of what you're saying, I couldn't agree with more. That evangelical subculture has said, here are the steps to be intimate with God, and mm-hmm. these are the only steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are contemplative traditions, uh, Roman Catholic traditions, Eastern Orthodox traditions that are just, you know, 
so rich and deep and profound at connection with God. Um, so yes, that stifling thing we all push back on. Regarding what's a high view of God and what's a low view of God, it, it's fascinating how Jesus presents the Father. Because I think Jesus presents the Father as an engaged participant in the world, and our requests actually do make a difference in the world. Um, and so there are two streams of theology about prayer that I think uh, neither one really represents Jesus's the tension. Hmm. One is the the reform tradition that that seems to say that everything that happens on earth is God's will. He is a director. Um, we are we are simply people who are walking through a predetermined script, even though we don't know what the script is. Um, and then there's there are process theologians that say, no, no, God actually doesn't know what's going to happen in the future. He's genuinely learning alongside of us. Mm-hmm. Both of those tensions, bits of them are represented in, in Jesus's teaching on prayer. Uh, on the one hand, God is the transcendent king, absolutely. And, um, and whatever God uh, decrees happens, no question. But from the various early bits of Genesis, what God decreed was partnership with human persons. And so I don't see prayer as awareness. I don't see prayer as request. I see prayer as partnership. And I I think that's how Jesus frames it when he um, contrasts how the Gentiles pray with their meaningless words. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's a ritual, it's magic, it's voodoo, or how the religious pray. Um, with their self-righteousness. Um, and then he says, no, no, but I want you to go in this, in, into secret and pray to your father. Now, father's a loaded term, totally get it. So let's just say parent. Um, pray to your parent who sees what is done in secret. And then Jesus begins to unpack, this parent actually is eager to give gifts, hmm. but because it's a parent frame, that parent um, has wisdom and uh, will not say yes to just any blank check sort of request. Um, and so, so for me, I just want to, I just want to counter just a little bit, Alyssa, that I don't, I think that's actually a higher view of God, that God is so majestic and grand that he actually takes into account our desires and that, that, that form of partnership, what, see, for me, prayer, the words, the, the world of the kingdom seems to work through words, right? So God spoke, it came into existence. Jesus cursed a fig tree. He rebuked the waves. So I actually think our words, um, that God is forming us to use our words well. And to do that, he has to reshape our, our desire. And so it, it, in the same way, I raise my son Seth to request, right? Oh, he starts out totally helpless and all he can do is ask. All he can do is ask. And then as he grows in maturity, his asking changes and my answering changes, right? Um, but that request of asking that that dynamic itself is what moves him to maturity. So I, I I'm way over talking on this, but um, I was just thinking about I, I actually think that there is a higher view there. Mm-hmm. And then I look at biblical examples where it seems like God was said, "Well, I'm going to do this," and then someone prayed, and then He says, oh, "I'm going to do that." And all my seminary professors said, "Well, that's just anthropomorphizing. That's just turning God into a human." And I actually think. No, that actually shows that it matters. And James seems to say there are things that happen on the earth uh, that wouldn't have happened because people ask. And there are things that don't happen on the earth because people have not asked. And so I would just say, ah, that's the, again, to me, that seems like a higher view of God. But back to view of God. And it's all purely speculation, right? Like No, 
It is. It's purely speculation. Are, are you kidding me? These are like the words of Jesus. Yeah, but this it's is not, still. You're speculating. Sure. I th- I would say you are too. I think there is there. Ha- <laughs> no. No, 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 no. When you take when this view of the God. Words of Jesus as the revelation of the Father. Now, you can say, well, I don't buy the words right, of Jesus. Right. But I'm not speculating at that point, right? Uh, uh, sure, but th- there is there is something divine and outside of Jesus in that moment happening that you are speculating and putting, like, your own interpretation but, of what's happening in that moment still. Uh, what are you still. talking about? There's still a speculation of what's happening to... we. We don't know what the Father is doing. We don't know his understanding. That is pure speculation and interpretation of what the Father is actually thinking, perceiving, and doing because we've we've never talked to the Father. We don't know what the Father is doing. The only way we know the Father is through Jesus, through this yeah. interpretation of the Bible. So you are claiming that whatever Jesus says about the Father is true. Yeah, and, yes. Yes. So yes. that is your baseline claim. <laughs> yes. But we see many times throughout scripture that Jesus questions the Father. Okay, many times being one time in the garden. In the garden. Not your will, but my will. Sure. Yeah. So so but that actually proves my point. Because why would he pray if he didn't think it would affect outcomes? Hmm. Because he doesn't know fully. Go ahead. Yo, go. Because no, he, he doesn't know fully what no, what the father pred- is going to do. That's not true. He predicted it three times that this was going to happen. So then he didn't, then why did, this is a circular argument. Well, <laughs> no. It actually gets to the heart of the conversation. It gets to the heart of of prayer, if you ask me. I think you guys are just coming at the same question from a different point of view. And, and the point of view being, um, and I think this is the question I think we started with, if we could circle back, is why pray? Um, why, what, you know, what does it do for the human as opposed to what does it do for God? Um, I think that conversation is stuck here in the middle of why did Jesus go to the garden and pray if he knew already that he was already going to die? That's mm-hmm. And say, can you please pass this cup? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't want to do this. But yet willingly submits to the will of the Father and goes to the cross, right? Mm-hmm. So why pray the prayer? Because he was in agony, because he didn't want to do it. And if there was any other way in that moment, let's find another way. Because also Jesus, being fully God and fully man, was very much so human. Mm -hmm. And none of us would want to endure what he was about to endure. So there was also a sense of, we all pray to some degree of, Lord, make my life easier. I don't want it to be this hard i.e. I don't want cancer, I don't want financial trouble, I don't want my kids to go through this, I don't want this, I don't want these things. But in the next breath, give me the grace to endure, give me the grace to get through. And so there is a... But that wasn't what he was asking. I know. He wanted it, he wanted it removed. Right, I get it. And, and just like I pray for, when I pray for Tim, I want his cancer to be gone, right? Or Paul when he prays three times. Yeah, and it does, and it doesn't always come out that way. And sometimes it does, though. Sometimes there's a moment by the, you know, where God says, "Yeah, uh, for this moment and this time, the answer is I'm going to heal them." Um, So then, then it becomes a question of, what do we ask for, and why do we ask for it, and do we trust God with it? And at the end of the day, 
if if we just trust God for our answer for it, we're not really trusting God, we're trusting ourselves. That is the that is the struggle of being human. I I want this. You said this, listen. I want this and I'm going to pray to God for this and God doesn't deliver. Then is God real or am I asking the wrong question? Right, or and, is he listening? Or is he yeah. listening? There's a lot of things and then and all of those are the wrong question. All of those are the wrong question. The wrong que- the wrong question is is questioning whether or not I'm asking the right question. You're asking the right question because it's on your heart. The right question is what's on your heart. It's not it's not the wrong thing to ask. That's the that's the part where I think or is God listening? Well, of course God's listening. God's always with me. God knows. God already knows what I need. He tells us that, right? So that's not the question, right? So then the other question is does he care? That's, I think, where you start getting into, does he really care with the thing I'm going through? And the answer to that question is, yes, he sent Jesus to die on the cross. He loves you unconditionally. So then once you hurdle that one, now you get into, so why doesn't he deliver me? Mm-hmm. That's the question you have to wrestle with. Because he can. And and that answer is as varied as answer is there is God. And you and I are on this journey of figuring out why. Right. Yeah, I, I think you, I was trying to get there too. There oh, is this, no, no, I'm glad that you gave me a break. I think there was a level of, um, then you start to, when you have that view of prayer and you have that view of your relationship with God, then you have to answer the question, why does he let his people suffer and why doesn't he if he truly at any time can deliver can change mm-hmm. intercede yes intercede based on what you say yeah. or to answer that question then like why does my friend who is one of the most faithful prayer warriors i've ever met mm-hmm. die of stomach cancer mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. like those are questions yeah. that we get to ask and mm-hmm. Absolutely. Sit with. Yeah. Um, so I think there it's. But you, but you, they wouldn't upset you if you didn't believe God could have acted, and should have acted. If he's if he's just writing a script, then well, we just got to accept it and say, that's well, not that fair. was his will. <laughs> that's that's a hundred percent not fair. That what, it is. What do you mean? That's so fair. dismissive of true. I I only am calling you out on this because I think because <laughs> I love you, Mike, but also because. <laughs> It's dismissive of the experience of like I ex- I don't think that like I have control over the larger narrative of what's happening here. I don't think I have that, but I still am deeply grieved by my human experience mm-hmm. regularly. And I never ever think that it's wrong for me to be deeply grieved about those things. I also don't think Is that what you hear me saying? Yes. Okay, because then, we then I'm not Exactly. Then I'm not saying that correctly at all. Right. So that that's why I'm Saying what I'm saying is there's a the 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 oh. thing that I think gets complicated in theology and in the way that we think about God is sometimes we love to extrapolate that and be like, well, if that's really what you believe, then you shouldn't feel this way because and then it it sure it might be illogical that I feel that way. No, no, no. listen, that wasn't what I was saying at all. Okay, explain then. Good lord. Do you know what it's like to have two special needs kids? Do you know? I mean, I can list my suffering and my mm-hmm. limping if that's what we're doing. I was simply saying 
that the the lament you were expressing and the lament yeah that 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 um is totally appropriate and welcome mm-hmm. because we believe that god could intervene and doesn't so it was mm-hmm. presupposing a view of god that said yes Dad Gummit, you've seemed to make these incredible promises. We know you're active in the world. We've seen you do it for other people. Why don't you do it here? That's all that's all I meant to say. Yeah, yeah. So I was I was I was back on I a conversation you. we had that, that was ten minutes ago. Great. It was nothing. <laughs> Great clarification. But my my counter and my clarification is I still feel that, even though I would say that like that was always going to be what would happen to my friend Catalina, even though she, I don't think that there was a scenario where he could be like, yeah, I'm going it, to, it's just my view of God. And yeah. I'm saying that even though my view of God and my relationship to prayer is different than yours, I don't feel that emotion because I thought that there would be a different outcome because of her. Yeah, you just feel it because you're grieving. Yes. Yeah. So I, that's all. I'm protective over that because I think Christianity tends to breed people who don't allow those emotions to be real because we like to logic out of it. So I get defensive over that experience. And it's not because you said anything wrong, Mike. It's because I am just like, I'm going to clarify this for my listeners. (laughs) Hello, my people out there. The last thing I would want to do is come across as somebody who dismisses that because right. there's just been much in all of our lives, right? Yeah. And I've seen that. I've had people say the dumbest things mm-hmm. in those moments. Uh, no, I'm fighting for, um, not fighting for, like, like uh, I, I am, I'm wanting to hold out, I think the very legitimate possibility that, that things can change. Yeah. Um, because of our requests. Sure. And I just uh, feel like I need to add something to what she just said. She definitely was raised in a house where um, we talk through emotions in such a way as to why, why you shouldn't feel a particular way or whatever. Because it's, it, and, and my wife reminds me regularly, you can't tell me not to feel a particular way. Right. So this comes from her dad. Um, uh. It's oh, her daddy baggage. It's it's part of, but it's part of it's part of my it's part it's part of my discipling, uh, my own personal discipling over the last five to ten years is okay. I've got to learn how to help mm-hmm. people engage with emotion without saying you really shouldn't feel that way about right, God. Yeah, yeah, right. And and those are some of my regrets in raising uh, my kids, but also in pastoring. And um, also you as a person have come to accept your own emotions and be able to sit with them. More and so in yes. Yeah, which coming, is really yeah. beautiful yes. to watch. Yeah. Okay. And it's but it's it's been a I I would pr- honestly I would prefer not to. Sure. Because it's it's easier. Mm-hmm. Life is easier if I can <laughs> um if I can think my way through it rather than feel oh. my way through it. And I would prefer mm-hmm. everybody feel their way through it. Okay. I uh, know. Think, think their way through it. Through it. Yeah. Okay. And last comment. Th- last comment. <laughs> oh, that's that a okay? lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> oh no 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 no! It's just we've been we've been. Yeah, there's we've gone uh, on yeah. some rabbit holes here, but I think at the end of the day, our our stories and our belief about God are formed from our stories and and where and our experiences. Mm-hmm. 
and the traumas and and the joys that our lives have endured. And I think we have to remember that we bring all of that to the table in this conversation and in because mm-hmm. um, you shut off some of those things within you because of your dad. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. of course, you don't want to feel those things because you had to be com- mm-hmm. completely controlled so that your dad wouldn't freak out on you like there's there's reason for the way that we show up Mm -hmm. in the world and the way that we view god and the way that we have prayer and that's part of the beauty of coming to the table together amen yes amen and she's out (laughs) all right guys well listen why do bad things happen next week Yes, Tim, you'll lead us. You'll lead us in that way. <laughs> this is gonna be great. This is gonna be great. Um, anyway, oh, so good, you guys. Um, thank you for tuning in. We'd love your feedback and questions, and we will continue the conversation. Take care. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Journey Now podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, would you screenshot it and share it on your social media or leave us a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts because that helps other people find us. Today's interview is with my friend and coworker, Kevin Dixon, who's also the lead pastor here at Journey Church. Kevin recently came back from a break and has been processing some things about his life over the course of the last 30 years in ministry and some things that have come to the surface for him in terms of regrets he has, lessons learned, as well as how he sees the next 10 years Um, of serving the local church. So I think you'll find this interview really interesting and hopefully encouraging. Thanks for listening. Kevin Dixon. Hey, Susie Lynn. Back from sabbatical. It's been a few weeks since you've been back from your time off. We're calling it a time off. You're calling it a time off, not a sabbatical. Because you didn't go far, far away. You didn't write a book. You didn't teach abroad. (laughs) It was probably just more of a a tune out Mm -hmm. for six weeks. Yeah. It was awesome. And did you actually tune out? I did, actually. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. I I slept in, which I didn't know I was capable of. and, uh, And I didn't... I turned off all of my... Anything that would draw me into the church world. Mm-hmm. So that was good. Not just the journey world, but the actual whole yes. church world. So, um, and so do you feel rested? That's a really good question. Um, I think so. I do. Um, it's, uh, it's, Yeah. I, I don't think that the answer to that question is just a easy um, yes or no, but in the scheme of things, I'm better than I was. Yeah. So that's kind of how I'm comparing it to the last couple of years have been very, very uh, draining mm-hmm. and exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Your re-entry has been a bit slow. Yeah, I, have, <laughs> I agree. It has. Which is good. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. No one's rushing well, you. Well, it's when, when you re enter the week of July 4th, mm-hmm. it's like, huh, there isn't a whole lot going on. And, and then even the month of July is kind of laid back. And now it's starting to ramp up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, one of the things I want to talk about with you today is um, so you, you took the time off, you disengaged from everything, mm-hmm. everything church related. Mm-hmm. And then 
as you re-entered, you kind of jumped back in. You started reading a book, mm-hmm. right, yep. called Jesus and John Wayne. Yes. And I just want to clear, I haven't finished you it. You haven't finished it because you, you had to put it down. Yes. And we're going to get to that. Yes. And your um, really good friend and co-laborer in Christ, Susie Lind, yes. me, yes. Um, I recommended a podcast to you to listen to because yes. I was listening to it yes. and I wanted to discuss. Yes. And it is the one that lots of people are listening to and talking about called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill mm-hmm. by Christianity Today. Yes. Um, and... <laughs> You know, I always tell people, you know, it's a, it's a podcast that kind of centers around a pastor named Mark Driscoll and his church, Mars Hill, that was in Seattle. Mm-hmm. But but if you listen carefully, it's not really just about them. It's the, they're kind yeah. of the illustration, but really it's about the whole church. church. Yeah. And we can, those of us who have been part of the church um, mm-hmm. in leadership in the church can mm-hmm. find ourselves in the story mm-hmm. pretty clearly and for some people it's been triggering yeah for some people it's been affirming Mm -hmm. and would you say that reading jesus and john wayne has been a similar experience yeah very similar i i think they both talk about history Mm -hmm. um part of which explains the church i entered into when i started pastoring in 1989 um and then um they i planted a church in 1999 and uh, had been to some of the um, uh, church planting boot camps, that's what they called them, and conferences, mm-hmm. that actually Mark Driscoll was speaking at. Um, so there's, I, I've heard a lot of this, but I didn't, you know, um, a lot of what was going on, I was aware of a lot of what was going on. I knew of the abuses of power in some places, and... Um, I attended Willow Creek for a little bit when I was at, mm-hmm. um, I, I met, uh, the leadership of Willow Creek because they came to the school I was at and actually the, the lead pastor was in one of my classes. And so there's, there's familiarity. Yeah. There's familiarity and surprise for me. You were there for I, some of the stories. I was. Yeah. Which, um, and then I had some of my own, my own stories of being in churches and seeing the abuse of power. And um, so I've seen a lot of this play out in front of me. So, and then the Jesus and John Wayne book is Mm -hmm. affirming to what your angst has been about the rise of Christian nationalism, right? And and that kind of stuff. And, And so like taking all of these things, you know, together and in mind, we, Mm -hmm. we've talked about, um, together yeah. a little bit on this podcast a little bit on, you know in other spaces in at journey that there seems to be a little bit of i mean we've used words like reckoning <laughs> i've used words like holy spanking <laughs> yes um we've used the word reseeding yeah. some people would use the word revival that yeah. that's happening right yeah. and mm-hmm. and um one of the things i was listening to i'm doing a class online and one of the teachers was saying that in order for unity in the church to come about, not mm-hmm. harmony, but unity, you have to look at the disruption that occurs before that as as part of what, what is drawing us to this place. So, yeah. But one of the things that I have found as your friend mm-hmm. and, um, and also in this space that we share together here at yeah. Journey, yeah. one of the things I find remarkable and actually beautiful to watch is this 
work that God has been doing in you of and you speaking out about what you what your regrets have been yeah. and the mistakes that you were a part of mm-hmm. and and you know you you're you have you you often talk about how you have about 10 years left right yeah in in these types of roles and yes. and you want to yeah, make the most of those make 10 the years. most of those ten years. So yeah. I was wondering today if you wanted to talk about that a little bit more. The go ten into, years. Well, I think it would be. I think it's really you touched on it. I think last week in the mm-hmm. podcast last week about the regret. Yeah, you know. So yeah. I think for you to, if you would share some of that with our yeah. listeners, I think sure. that would be really great. Revisit some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually. Um, for somebody who has not really been in touch with his emotions most of his life, me, mm-hmm. um, I have I have a deep seated sadness mm. um, that has settled on me, and and it has it has a lot to do with the condition of the church, and um, and and the response to the. Um, just the political mess that we went through, the racial thing we went through, and are still, I mean, we're still going through all this. Yeah. So it doesn't just go away. Um, and, and, and how anger has become a big platform for the church. And I, I find that to be just puzzling. And also, as I, as I read books like Jesus and John Wayne, Oh, this is where it comes from. I, mm-hmm. I, I, and I saw it play out. I saw those things, and I went, and I didn't see the long-term ramifications of that stuff until the last few years of life, where I went, oh, okay, this is where the church took a a wrong turn mm-hmm. or a wrong platform. <clears throat> so, um, so I, and I'm just really sad that the American church. Big church, the overall um, response to a pandemic has been what it has been, um, and the response to the racial stuff, and the response to the election, and the response to all of those things has been to yell at the world, to just yeah. yell at them, yeah, and tell them they're wrong, and um, we moved off of our primary role of of what Jesus said was, you know, go into the world, love the people, let them know that God loves them, explain the gospel to them, and 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 let me do work with them. Let me, my Holy Spirit, do my work. And and we've added things to the gospel. And, and in adding things to the gospel, you know, listening to the guy up in Mount Juliet, the pastor, he says, man, if somebody comes into my church with a mask on, I'm going to kick them out. Yeah. Because I don't want any of that democratic crap in my church. And I'm like, hold on. So that's something you would say is adding to the gospel. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you have to be a Republican now mm-hmm. to come to my church. How how does that add up to the whole world? And and so, or vice versa, you have to be a Republican to show up at my church, or whatever, mm-hmm. or a Democrat, a Democrat. to mm-hmm. come to my church. Or and and so we categorize. We've we've categorized people and and put them on the outside of the church based upon a political leaning or a position, or any number of things. And that's been the, the ongoing assault, I think, of the, the American church over the last 40 years. And if you read the book, 
John Wayne, Jesus and John Wayne, you will see that. I've also yeah. I've also read a book, and I, I was I should have looked at what the title of it was, but it was the other perspective of uh, it was on Leighton Ford's life and his relationship with Billy Graham and and how that plays out and how he just had a t- uh, the same history lesson, but with a different out different vantage point and some of the same struggles, some of the same. Um, difficulties that the church was having but it was just it was just explained a little bit different so point of view matters on Mm -hmm. all of this and a lot of good things happened in the church over the last 40 years yeah a lot of good things people god still uses a flawed church because they're all flawed yeah um but even in national you know when i went on um international trips and i went and visited churches in africa or i went to i've been to um eastern europe and i've been to a number of different places and 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 watched or seen the evidence of the transplanting of the American church. Rather than going into an indigenous place and planting a church for Africans, we bring um, our Americanness and have them create an American church in that culture, which is mm-hmm. is not mission. It, right. It's it's transplanting not only American evangelicalism; it's transplanting Americanism, and we've we've married those two things. And it's it's just not the church. It's missed the point. Yeah. And that's my regret. I was part of that. I was part of that system. I could see it. Um, it was subtle most of the time. It mm-hmm. was underneath the surface. Um, but there were times, like when, when um, we didn't, at, at the last church I was at, we didn't display the American flag on a 4th of July weekend. And we had people up in arms that our church didn't have the American flag up on the 4th of July weekend. Yeah. I'm like, why are you up in arms? We're not, this is, our Americanism is always secondary to our allegiance to Christ. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't separate those two. Mm -hmm. So if you were were to talk to your um, 25-year-old self, Oh, I would or say... Or your 30-year-old self. My 25-year-old self? Yeah, what would you say? <laughs> In my cynical moments? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> or my sober you're, you're sitting down with 25 or 30-year-old Pastor Kevin Dixon. Mm-hmm. What would you tell him? That's a really good question. Um, do something else with your life. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> <laughs> if if I'm in this state of being where yeah. I'm sad and I'm I look at I've given 31 years of my life to this... And I see where it landed. Um, that's one option. Oh, that's one option. Heavy. It is. He- that's why I'm sad. Yeah. That's why I have. I have these. I've given my whole life. Mm-hmm. I don't to this. Yeah. And to see how it turned out has been just heartbreaking. Um, and then my next breath, I would say, but if you are going to do this, um, be aware. Be aware of what is happening around you. Pay attention to the things that have that are ultimately going to cause um, great struggle. I I've always struggled with Christian celebrity. Mm-hmm. I've always struggled with it. Not as I've never been a Christian celebrity, so it doesn't matter, right? Right. But as I've watched it, because I I could see the easy. You've always been close to it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been around it. Yeah. And I've talked to people yeah. who are celebrities, and I, and and, but it, in the next breath, you can see where that's the easy trap for the evil one to be able to bring downfall to a lot of people, and it and it's played out that way 
over the over the last 40 50 years sure. it's it's been a ongoing um uh real issue because celebrities it it's getting fame at the expense of the gospel and it's and when they fall they fall hard and they take a lot of people and it scars mm-hmm. the church and yeah, has God used those people? Yes, but in the next breath, I'm like, they don't need to be. Cele- yeah. They don't need to be celebrities. I don't think that's what the church was meant to be, is a celebrity leading it. So, with some of these big things, you know that the church has been marked by, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can you share a little bit about how you've moved a position, like how you've changed, or how you think differently about some things than you did thirty years ago? Oh yeah. Um, well, one of my regrets is when I saw the abuse of power, I I thought I did all I could mm-hmm. um, when I when I addressed it. But my solution was, oh, so you're not going to do anything about it, the church that I was in, so you're not going to do anything. I'm leaving. I'm just going to leave. And leave all the people yeah. <laughs> underneath that leadership. Um, and so part of where I've shifted a position is... Um, I'm more likely than ever to not put up with the abuse. I I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I won't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've told people that. Yeah, I've been very adamant about that. If if anything comes across as even like we can't tell people we did this, we can't tell people this is how we spent the money. We mm-hmm. gotta we've gotta hide this. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. I'm out. Because if we're not doing everything as transparent and as above board as humanly possible, I just can't. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'll tell people, I, I, I won't not just walk away. I won't just walk away anymore. I will tell people. Yeah. And that's a moving of a position. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, I just walked away. I, right. just, I said, okay, you guys are going to do that. I'm out. I'm not going to associate myself with that. Yeah, so there's a there's a more of a uh-huh. clarity in on the practice of justice. Yeah, and the and the rightness of yeah. of that's wrong all the time. Yeah, that's not wrong part. That's not wrong just because I think it's wrong. That's just wrong. You don't mm-hmm. do that to people. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't take the money, spend it on something that you said you weren't going to spend it on. You don't do that. That's just mm-hmm. wrong. So you, it's the exposing of the abuses mm-hmm. that um, I saw. No, you know, nobody got sexually abused, or nobody. None of those things that I see that I didn't speak up against. But it was more just the subtle power under, abuse. Yeah, it's the mm-hmm. power abuse, which yeah drove me crazy. But at the same time, you feel like when you're 25, this is something I'd say to my 25 year old self: speak up, mm-hmm. don't just walk away. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Any other things that I would say to my twenty-five-year-old self, or that you would um, that you've changed how you've changed? Yeah, or I've, moved a position. I've also become um, clear. It's pretty clear to me that the mode of which we've tried to disciple people in the American church doesn't work. Okay, um, say more about that. <laughs> What is that? It would, how exactly is that mode? Well, because our culture has discipled them better than we have. Mm-hmm. Or I would say political parties have discipled them better than we have. 
and I would say that um, the American dream has has discipled them better than we have. I would say social media has discipled them better than we have. So something we're doing or not doing um, is not working, or is it's it's ineffective, or it's um, it we've we've come to a, a place in the church where um, it's, and I've felt this for a long time. I've felt this actually my whole ministry is that it feels like people come to church to feel better about themselves, but not really be a part of something. Mm-hmm. And not, not, you know, Tim Timmons famous statement. We're not, we're not doing church. We are the yeah. church. And, and we're not, we're not talking, you're not talking about like being a part of like journey necessarily. Right. No, I'm you're just talking, talking about, about being church. a part of a movement, being yeah. a part of a way of life. Yeah. And it's, and they've, and what we've discipled people into from my perspective as the American church is come to a building, sit in a room, listen to a good message, sing some songs, do our programs. Yep. Give some money mm-hmm. and, and, will help you with life. Yeah. And it's not that. It's 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 more than that. And it's and that's where um I've I I was a small groups pastor for 5 years. And I thought that good small groups would disciple people. Mm-hmm. Um into a deeper, more meaningful yeah. faith journey, right? And um, we did them. I, you know, people came and looked at our program and thought, "Wow, this is this thing really works." And and even when I was doing it, you know, hundred groups and uh, sure, uh, you know, train leaders. It was successful in the respect of I help people build relationships with one another. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I did a really good job of helping them build a relationship with God. Mm. Um, and. Because I didn't see, or they didn't see, they saw their lives enriched because they were around people, they made friends, they had something yeah, they never... which is something. It is something, and that is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the next breath, it was deficient in getting them to move in there. Once they got comfortable mm-hmm. in that walk, in that relational malaise that they found themselves in, and no one challenged them anymore on the... On, the way they walked with God. Mm-hmm. And so it turned into, you're okay, I'm okay, let's just keep it. This is this is safe, this is good, this is okay. And it didn't move them into a deeper faith. Right. It, it kind of kept them, it actually inoculated them in some ways to a deeper faith. And then when that group broke up or they didn't meet anymore, they just wanted it back. Yeah. They just wanted that back and they go in search of getting that. Yeah. rather than a deeper relationship with God. And when I realized that's what was happening, I I found myself lacking as a 34-year-old man. I don't know how to I don't know how to fix that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with that. So I planted a church. Hmm. Thinking it would be different. Yes. And in some ways, you know, that was when you know, you serve people and we did a bunch of service projects and we did a lot of different things and and that church was smaller. It was um, a neighborhood, and and it was for me much more enriching mm-hmm. for me, mm-hmm. and I would say for some people, but not for everybody, was it? You yeah. Know? So, and that was the other thing you learn. You learn that 
one church doesn't fit all, right? So, but all that to say, as I as I reflect, I have regrets about all of it. Yeah. Because it it just came up so short. So when you look at the next ten years, when we when you look at where we are right now, yeah, you know, I mean, what keeps you here? I mean. You know, I was really happy that you came back for your vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Susie. Yeah. Um, so what keeps you mm-hmm. engaged and what when you look when you look out at the next ten years and the yeah. time you are gonna give, mm-hmm. what do you what do you see? What's your heart's desire? Mm-hmm. Um That's a really good question and I have um I'm conflicted in some ways because there's part of me that just says, you know, I, I'm so steeped in the history of this Mm -hmm. that am I a right person to lead out of it, out of that? Um, So there's a, there's a little bit of internal conflict um, because I can see my own deficiencies. Mm -hmm. And then in the next breath, um, I think God has given me another 10 hopefully 12 good years to be able to, um, at least for Journey Church, um, give it an alternative to what everybody has known. Um, now that's ambitious and it's, um, but it's on my yeah. heart to make a shift. It's, you know, it, it's nice to have Mike Erie on staff, and and I I'm 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 glad he's here, and how he spoke about baptism and how he the last couple of weeks. If you get a chance, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, just go back to our journeytn.com and listen to a couple of those podcasts of of how it was meant to be, mm-hmm. and how it wasn't meant to be intertwined with social status or it wasn't meant to be celebrities. It wasn't meant to be any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and our allegiance is, is to Jesus. Um, my hope is, is that in the middle of, of Brentwood, Tennessee is this light of the gospel that, um, cuts through, um, the American version of what Christianity has become. And now, you know, part of what's gonna make that difficult is we're sitting in Brentwood, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And part of what's gonna make that difficult is is we have a, a nice facility, we have we have we have the trappings yeah. of of church. Well what and what does it look like to you? What does it look like to you to be the light of the gospel in this place? Like how does that play out practically? I think that's what we're in process of figuring out mm-hmm. you and me and Tim and um, Mike and the elders and um, Sam. And mm-hmm. I mean, our team is, is honestly trying to sort that out. And, and I think that's part of why um, I'm conflicted. So I'm, in one breath, I'm not really sure what that looks like. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not asking you to cast vision for the whole church right now. I know. But in the depths of your heart, mm-hmm. It what look- do you want to be a part of? What want- is the church you, Kevin Dixon, child mm-hmm. of God, mm-hmm. what kind of a church do you want to be a part of? I want to be a part of a church where 
in this that doesn't ask the question of people what is your economic status what is your political affiliation what is your ethnicity what is your sexual orientation what is your you fill in the blank and we gather around the person of Jesus mm -hmm. and we do it in such a way that is contagious um, and and we actually do bring a gospel to the world that brings reconciliation across that. Mm -hmm. That's what it looks like. And that means we eat together and that means we live, do life together. And, you know, those things sound cliche. But um, we were just talking about it around the round table. Mm -hmm. It's, but we come to a, we come to a, a conversation that's difficult, like, yeah. Um, Christian nationalism, or do you wear a mask or don't you wear a mask? Or can my gay brother and his husband come to your church? Right, which we've had that conversation, mm -hmm. and and yes, they can, mm -hmm. um, because I think I I want them to be a part of something that screams Jesus at them, mm -hmm. not you're gay at them. Mm -hmm. Two different things. Yeah, um, and that they're they're not dehumanized. I mm -hmm. think people get dehumanized in our culture all the time. Yeah. And and I think that's stripping away mm -hmm. the um the image of God in people. When we dehumanize people, we tell them that they're not made in the image of God. And we don't get to do that. Yeah. We, we do it all the time, but we don't get to. And it diminishes the gospel. And so when we say that God loves them and and other people say, No, God hates them. The church, people in the church are saying, no, God hates you. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that threw me on the podcast of the rise and fall of Mars Hill. He literally, the pastor of that church, stood up and said, some of you here in this room, God hates you. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, time out. Yeah. Where where do you get that? And anyway, that's just frustrating. Mm -hmm. It's frustrating to hear the gospel portrayed as a love-hate equation. Yeah. It's interesting, too, because I think we've all, when you talked about earlier how we've been discipled by the culture, you know, we've been discipled by this cultural church, too. Yes. Because, cause, I mean, people ask me all the time, like, is the church going to make it? And I'm like, what do you mean by that? And they're, they're, I, I think what they mean is, like, do you have enough money to pay the bills? Right. And are people coming? Right. You know? Yep. And, are you solvent? Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, and then the other... The other thing people want to know is like, well, what is your church about, and what's mm -hmm. what's the vi what's your vision? And like, we're so used to these churches that have like this really yeah. snazzy mission statement, yeah. and and you know, like, well, we have this ministry here and this ministry here, and we're doing this over here, and like, when I start to tell people, like, well, we we really want people to see how beautiful Jesus is, and we eat together, and we. <laughs> We, we like to have conversations about anything yeah. without judgment. Like, that's not enough no. for a lot of people. And yet, it's so hard to do those things. Yeah. It is so hard to build your life around sharing meals with other people. Mm -hmm. I mean, with our busyness yeah. oh, and our schedules. Yeah. And it's so hard to posture yourself in such a way that you can sit at a table and have a loving, gracious conversation with someone that you have a completely different worldview on. Right. And yet, like, it just doesn't feel like enough, even to me. I mean, I 
I automatically, when I have these conversations, I, in my head, think, okay, I can start a program for this. I, I can I can do, right. I, we can do a class. We can do this. And, and I can build programs in my sleep. I've been doing it for 20 years. Yeah, we both can. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and I can get people to come and yeah. I can train leaders and yeah. I can multiply things. Like, I know how to do that. Yeah. And and yet it's like I don't think that's what we're supposed to do. No, it's not. But it feels as a church leader, it feels like the the right thing to do. What I'm getting paid for and what I will be successful doing. But it's how you measure success. It's so it's so interesting because people, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of them, one yeah. of my another one of my regrets when somebody comes up. When if I'm talking to my 25 year old self, I said, Kevin, when somebody comes up and asks you. So how big is your church or how many people are coming to your church? And, and, and the answer to that question is, I don't know, mm-hmm. because that's not what matters. Right. I can draw a crowd with a keg of beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Right? Free beer. Oh, I'm there. And to be fair, one of our successful small groups does include bourbon and cigars. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Right. So, but there's a, there is this underlying thing within the church somewhere along the line the american church decided what's most important is how many people show up what's most important is how much money you have how nice your building is and that measures success Mm -hmm. and and at the end of the day i don't think the church was ever meant to be about those three things yeah and i think um when we gather as a as a a body of believers it's it's about that more than it is about even what we do when we're gathered. Mm-hmm. Um, should we pray? Yeah. Do we teach? Yeah. Do we sing? Yeah. All those things are true. But if if the answer to the question of whether we're successful or not, Susie, is how many are here and how much money we have, that sounds a lot like American culture to me. Mm-hmm. And and I've heard people say, yeah, I'm going to the... I, I you know. I'm going to the bigger church. Mm-hmm. And I've asked why. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had people leave here. I've had people leave churches I've been a part of to go to the bigger church. I like to be a part of the winner. Mm-hmm. So they see, you know, there's a degree of, they see the bigger church as winning and the smaller church as losing. That's yeah. the American way. It's like Walmart and the mm-hmm. true value hardware down the street, right? Or... Lows and the true, you know, or whatever. So we see the bigger. well, and in our community, we mm-hmm. were once that church, correct, and now we are not. <laughs> <laughs> and we and, are less sexy than we used to be. <laughs> and for me, I like that. Yeah, I like the idea that we're building this on relationship. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that we're building it around the idea of the gospel is for everybody right and and it doesn't it doesn't matter when we did when we decided to do here at journey um biblical unity class Mm -hmm. when we decided to do that um in my heart of hearts i was hoping it was not going to be controversial Mm -hmm. in my heart of hearts because it shouldn't be right right that should be just a given yeah that should be a given, but it turned into controversy, mm-hmm. and it turned into what well, we're leaving. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people left because mm-hmm. we did a class on biblical unity. Yeah, which addre- 
for those who don't know what biblical <laughs> unity, what we mean by that yeah. was it was a class on what the Bible says about ethnicity and yeah. racism and how we are one body yeah. and how that actually plays out and what needs the work that is involved in, in making that a reality. Right. And you're in a class mm-hmm. about how to decide or read a book. Was it a class about discipling people out of racism? The one that I'm doing right now? Yes. Yes. It's discipling out racism as formation. Yeah. R- racial reconciliation as formation. It's a long title. <laughs> it is. It's, it's a lot is. of words. I can't remember it's all a lot the of words. words. <laughs> but it's really good. <laughs> but in in mm-hmm. but in the church, yeah. the church should say, well, yeah, that should be embraced. Yeah, that- but that's actually what the class is, is that it was, the class kind of starts with this assumption that that racism has been discipled into us, mm-hmm. and we need to disciple it out of us. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, you learn it. Mm-hmm. It's learned. It's yeah. a learned behavior. Yeah. Yeah. All of our, most of our behaviors are learned. Yeah. And so we can unlearn and, mm-hmm. and relearn. But, you know, to have people, you know, send me emails about having having a black person come to our church and teach a class on biblical unity, I'm out. Mm-hmm. I'm like... I think you're missing the point, mm-hmm. right? I'm sad that you're out because I think you need to give this yeah. a shot. You need to walk through it, you know? And those are the types of things that in one breath I would say surprise me, but in the next breath I go, yeah, I guess yeah. that's where we're at. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so last question. <laughs> this is a good one. This is a really good one. Okay. And given all of this, mm-hmm. given all of your reflecting on your past this mm-hmm. year and 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 looking ahead... What do you love about Jesus? Oh, that list is pretty long. That he he still uses all of that. That's that's the part that just stuns me, amazes mm-hmm. me. That um, even in the midst of all of our my brokenness and and my hypocritical mm-hmm. you know judging of people, he still used me. He still used the church, the American church, to bring people to himself. Um, there are beautiful moments in the history of the mm-hmm. church, and in, in those moments where you see, you know, kids come to Christ, and you see um, families that were broken reconciled. You see all these things, and you see the work of Jesus in people's lives in spite of us, mm-hmm. um, in spite of me, mm-hmm. um, and and that that is beautiful that gives me hope actually for the next 12 years yeah is that even in my broken idea of how we need to proceed he'll work he'll work in that that's where it's redeeming that's where you find yourself going okay i can think of a whole bunch of people's lives that were changed by by jesus in spite of how we've done this yeah which is to me stunning um because he can, he makes good out of all of it, and and that's that's the beauty of it. And you know, um, he's he's imprinted upon me, impressed upon me, that um, uh, more and more, my I need to learn how to love people that are hard to love, and because he loves them, you know. So I sit in conversations, hard conversations with people. And I'm thinking, dang, this is this is really hard to love you, you know. And um, yet he does. And so there's part of this being the church business, being the body 
um, is that I can love people um, that are so different from me. And this is this has been a big shift for me over mm-hmm. the last um, probably 10 years of my life mm-hmm. is that the 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 shift being I, I, I really started to see the um, the way the church really didn't love people that didn't agree with them. And that probably is the biggest shift for mm. me. Is that now I see people um, that disagree with me or disagree with the church or disagree, not as the enemy. Yeah. Whereas I was raised to see them as the enemy. I was, I yeah. was taught to mm-hmm. see them as the enemy. And they're not. Something that needed to be conquered. Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And now it's just, they're just people to love. Yeah. And... And actually, they're very interesting. That's the other part of it that I've, as I've engaged them in conversation and listened to them, I find them to be fascinating and interesting, how they've come to where they are. Mm-hmm. And to hear, and a lot of them grew up in the church. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are like, I grew up listening to that. And I didn't see anybody live it. Yeah. And that's usually the, it didn't change their lives. It just changed the way they spoke on yeah. Sunday. Yeah. You know? So... That's good. Yeah, the future of the church, I think, is. Um, I, I I think this has been the last year and a half, not just for Journey Church, but I think for the church, for the church in America. I wouldn't say for the world. I would say for the church in America. Most of the world, um, other parts of the world, you have to. It, it's not a cultural phenomenon to go to church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. It is in America. Um. But I think we're starting to drift. I think we've already arrived at the time when people are start, now it's starting to say, because of the pandemic, I'm only going to go because I want to go. Right. And I want to be a part of that. It's no longer a religious activity. Yeah. Which I think is fantastic. It's great. We it, welcome it. Yes. <laughs> it, is, it has stripped away a lot mm. of the... Um, people that just went for religious reasons, yeah, which is great. And then in the next breath, I want to say, now, if you're one of them and you're listening to us talk and you say, yeah, kind of, you know, um, don't throw away Jesus with the church. Mm-hmm. And because the American church hasn't represented Jesus that well, we've tried and we failed and we're going to try again and we're going to fail. But Jesus is bigger than that. So that's that's the beauty of it. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for your time. Yeah. You're welcome. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love it if you would share a screenshot of this episode to your Instagram story and tag us at journey underscore TN. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app.